Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. Welcome, everyone. We have a very special podcast guest again. It's my man, Partha Lunava, who is our 161st episode. Partha, how are you doing? Man, I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I know we've been talking about this for a long time. Got to see each other in Vegas. We, we did a little bit of content, had some fun. And uh, so it wasn't too long ago, maybe two months ago. But what is, what's new? What's been happening with you in the, the near recent times? What have you been up to the last couple of months? Man, I uh, I did a lot of traveling. You know, we've been really focusing on getting our kind of retail side of Lasso going. So getting the product into different stores, getting it into different countries. We've now launched in about 15 countries worldwide. So that has really kept me busy. And at the same time, um, we've been growing the manufacturing side of our business. So one of our big challenges last year was really being able to make enough products um, to be able to meet the demand that we were seeing. And it's, you know, it's hard work making our product because it's so unique and so technical. And so getting new partners on is always a new challenge for us. And so can you, I, I guess there's a lot before we just kind of, we just kind of dive into it with what you got going on. I mean, give us a little bit of background on what you, I mean, obviously Lasso, it's, it's a lot to talk about. It's a full business startup that now is thriving and, and crushing the sock sort of, I guess, you know, athletic sock wear space, which is, we're going to spend some time on, but give us a little background on yourself, you know, where you grew up and, and then kind of segue into how we, how this lasso came about. Yeah, totally, man. I actually grew up in Columbus, Ohio. I know you have your Michigan roots, so we have a little bit of a, a rivalry there. And, you know, my heart was crushed this year as, as you guys got the better of us. Uh, but uh, I spent my whole upbringing there. My parents are immigrants from India. And so I was kind of raised in that uh, immigrant culture, but they were also college professors at Ohio State. So I had a lot of, um, you know, they were more progressive than most of the parents in our community. And so grew up there, had a really uh, nice upbringing and ended up going to Georgia Tech for college. And going into university, my whole focus was I wanted to focus on doing something in the biomedical engineering space. And for me, it, there's always been this huge passion around doing things that affect the human body in a positive way. And part of that for me was that I grew up uh, a year younger than all of my peers growing up. So while I had a heavy passion for athletics, it was very, very challenging for me to be able to participate in a lot of our sports teams because I was so undersized my whole childhood. But by the time I got to college, I was able to put on some size, put on some weight, actually get my body performing how I always wanted it to, uh, eventually leading up to dunking a basketball for the first time and just learn a ton about what we can actually do um, to improve ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis, but also how much it can make you a happier person to go on that fitness journey and take care of your health. And, you know, it, you, you know, probably firsthand, it gives back so much more than you expect it to once you start down that road. And, and I, I do have a note here that in college, you broke your ankle like six weeks or you spent six weeks on crutches and it led you to found better walk, uh, creating a crutch that didn't hurt a user's armpits. What, what is that about? Was that, uh, that was pre pre lasso. That was your first venture. What, that was what my was first venture. So, you know, you know, I was actually, I was playing some basketball, broke my ankle, spent, uh, yeah, spent six weeks on crutches. And after that experience, you know, I was studying biomedical engineering. I was learning about how we design medical devices and how the healthcare industry thinks about product design. And at the same time, I had to spend a bunch of time, you know, 
dealing with a sector of healthcare that a lot of us experience, which is uh, it's called durable medical equipment. But, you know, the way that I would put it is products that help you move better. Right. And I saw that there were a lot of flaws in these products with crutches, specifically the kind that we use here in the U.S., dig into your armpits and they actually press into nerves and that can lead to nerve damage and a whole host of other issues and conditions. And there's not really a great, you know, other product you can use in Europe. They use uh, what's called a forearm crutch or some people refer to them as European crutches. That's what you see that, you know, it kind of comes down and there's the ring around somebody's forearm when they use that here. That's, that's like something you would really only use if you spend your whole life on crutches due to, you know, kind of a long-term, illness and i saw a gap where i could create a product that didn't sacrifice stability like a forearm crutch does but also doesn't push into your underarms so i created a new type of crutch it you know puts weight on multiple areas on your arm and on your side to uh, help your body essentially do it in a more ergonomic way and that product um helped me to raise money for my first investors so once i started that it was it was the end of year three in college i actually dropped out I raised money from some venture capitalists in Memphis, and I moved there to start this business. And I spent about um, a year there, moved back to Atlanta, uh, where I continued to build build the business for several years. Uh, but along the way, I had you know this this amazing uh, kind of reception to this product because it was so universal. Because I was a young entrepreneur, I actually got uh, invited to the White House and set up to meet President Obama and show him this crutch and actually explain it to him. Uh, how it would work and, you know, uh, just like essentially be a figure in youth entrepreneurship and innovation. So while I was able to build uh, a great reputation and meet some amazing people, um, I also saw kind of the other side of that business in the healthcare industry, which was a lot of challenges bringing new products to market, an older industry that really wants to do things in traditional ways, and a very complex industry when it comes to how insurance works, how people pay for different products, and seeing that the incentives in the healthcare industry didn't really lead people to want to make innovative products. Very, very interesting. How, and so what did you, what happened then? Like, so you did this, you made this, you, you basically built a business. Did you have any experience before and, and in, in company or like, did you start from scratch or how did, how did you do this from? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I started from scratch. I just, I did it the old fashioned way where, you know, you just make your mistakes and, and you keep on chugging through. Um, the biggest kind of role models I had around me, um, obviously my parents are, are business professors, as I mentioned earlier. So, um, they were able to help me a little bit in terms of understanding some stuff, at least pointing me in the right direction to find resources. Um, I found tons of mentors. I'm really big on mentorship. I really lean hard on finding folks who have different perspectives in mind that I can learn from. And that really helped me kind of from a foundational point to learn the basics of how to approach business and how to really build routine. And I think, you know, one of the challenges in entrepreneurship is really learning how to build your daily structure because it involves a lot of self-management. I think a lot of people today, especially with what COVID has forced with work from home, are dealing with those same struggles, learning how to self-manage, learning how to balance your work life, learning how to structure your work in a way where you are still making progress, but it's not consuming you. And at the same time, you know, you, you still have to create value for an ecosystem to be able to retain these jobs. And it was, you know, in my opinion, it was easier to stay aligned when we were all kind of in one place. And, you know, I went through these challenges a lot, a lot earlier in life when I took this journey uh, kind of on a solo basis to to try and build something of value in the world. Um, but for me, it was it was primarily because 
I just had this deep kind of sense of purpose around, you know, knowing that I was here to use my talents in a way to change the way things were, as opposed to just participating in the way things are. And, and then, so this is, you know, this is an interesting, also probably even more niche, right? It's like, there's people that, are, that need this, uh, but you, you saw you sport and you didn't like what was being done with when, when you were experiencing this, how did, how did you get into for lasso and then where, where did that idea come up and then how did that start and explain a little bit of uh you know was it was it was it a random or did you just like you weren't happy with your socks or the ankle yeah, injury like what, what sure. was it? so it was kind of it was the same premise you know building a, a product that was kind of focused around some of the problems that I experienced i learned a lot about the medical industry but i also saw that all of these products well, the crutches are are one product in this category the insurance reimbursement for these products was dropping very quickly so it didn't really make sense to make better products in that category from the current structure of the medical system. So I, looking at the healthcare industry, all of those products were shifting to Walgreens or to Amazon or to CVS, which meant that they were consumer products now, even though they were medical devices. Um, at the same time, the branding around these products was, you know, and still is really, really lame. Like if you look at taping, bracing, et cetera, none of these products really are done very well and they're not thought of with the end user in mind. Instead, they took the products that doctors used in a healthcare system where those products actually made sense to be sold in hospitals. So if you think about taping, you need somebody else to do it usually unless you know how to do it yourself. And that's because it was being sold at the place where somebody would do it for you. And so you would get taught, educated, and then you'd be able to go home and do it yourself. Now that product being sold over the counter at CVS, you just don't have the ability to utilize it the same way. And on top of that, most studies show that when you look at taping, it wears off within 30 minutes because it's just using adhesion on the skin, essentially like the, the stickiness of the tape. That's how it provides its benefit by applying pressure to the skin. So my view was there's these products that do some really great things for the body. Taping specifically helps to activate muscles and ligaments. It improves proprioception, coordination, balance, and, and many other things. It makes your body feel a lot better every single day when you do it. But those benefits are very limited in how long they last just due to the way the product is designed. So my view was, can we convey the same benefits to an end user without actually having to change you know, their daily life? And how can we do that? And so my first view was, what about kind of the core layers of garments that we wear every day? Starting with socks, just because everyone wears socks, I created a way for essentially the yarns in the sock to apply pressure to the skin in the same way that tape would. So the, the end result is you pull your socks up and it feels like you just taped up your ankle. You get the same musculoskeletal benefits, you get muscle stimulation, you get better balance, proprioception, coordination, and pain relief from a variety of kind of foot and ankle conditions just because of the regions where that pressure is being applied and, and how the body works in general. And in terms of, because I have a pair on right now, this show, you know, I, I do wear them when I, around the house, like, fair amount i wear them when i you know go out when i when i do athletic things for sure but what if someone sleeps with them at night like is there any kind of you know i don't sleep with socks on but like is that would that be a problem to have it on for long periods of time because of that pressure is that not really it's not no, right at all in fact you know because of the way the compression is designed it actually helps blood return to your heart faster and with less effort so it actually improves your body's ability to oxygenate to clean up you know dead cells to to recover essentially after a workout. So some, you know, some athletes that, um, that we know, uh, wear these, uh, 
uh, the knee length version specifically while they sleep to be able to get max maximum recovery out of their body. So the, the idea behind the product is that uh, we wanted to create something that didn't have a downside to it, but only had, you know, upside and the upside. I mean, we're not sitting here saying like, you're going to be able to fly wearing this product, right? But you are going to have a measurable, meaningful benefit that you feel and notice on a day-to-day -day basis that helps you to stay more active and hopes that you will live a life that is more fulfilling to you as a result of that. And that's really the goal here is that your daily wear products can actually have an impact in how you feel every day. Very interesting. And would you, would you say the, where is the most, the hardest part? Like when you have this idea, you know, like you're, you're not a scientist or a you know, doctor, like when you have this concept and want to put it in motion, it seems overwhelming. And probably from where you are now, like from the day you started, how did you, what were your first steps to, to sort of get this going? Because there's a lot of moving parts, right? Like to, you know, you could talk, sure you could spend hours, days talking about how it all came together in different phases and most difficult thing. But that initial part, who did you reach out to first in trying to get this business in the air? Absolutely. Um, with this product specifically, I started with uh, some factories. I found a factory that was interested in my concept. I had already filed patents around the idea. Um, so I already had a gist of what I wanted to create. I had drawn designs. I had kind of specifications that um, I had calculated out knowing the science around how the body moves and works of how much pressure was needed and where it was needed along the foot and the ankle. And so I was able to sit down with somebody and go through this process of saying, okay, here's the design. They make, make a sample of it. All right, let's tweak this. Let's tweak that. Let's make that wider. Let's make that smaller and just iterating it until it got to a point where, you know, it was actually effective. And, you know, the first version of the sock we made, it was, it was effective from like a, a benefit standpoint, but it wasn't nearly as comfortable as the product we make today. And so there was a long, a long way from getting it to work and be essentially enough to prove the concept that this makes sense and it can actually provide an impact to then getting the fibers super soft. Now, uh, we're, we're one of the most comfortable socks on the market and, and people feel that every day when they wear the product, but the benefit is still there. At the same time now, 100% of our yarns are recycled yarns. And so we're able to stay sustainable and still deliver that benefit. So getting to that part of the product is something that really doesn't happen until your business is already moving and already selling products. So a big part of it for me that I struggled with was, you know, what is the point where you have to start selling this? Because ultimately, you can't spend forever tweaking this thing and trying to get it perfect. Like You have to start doing the business so you can learn what people's reactions are learn what you need to improve and you know just just experience the market and you know for for this product we started um right off the bat once we got to the level of effectiveness that we felt was appropriate we started really focusing on high-end athletes and uh like top, top pro athletes and weekend warriors who really care about that extra performance benefit and from there, we started to trickle down into more of a lifestyle market, kind of the daily wear user who, you know, like you or I, just going through what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, that extra support helps us, whether it's in the boardroom, at the poker table, on a plane, or just, you know, doing a workout. Very interesting. And what has been your, give me something 
like an aha moment in business? When was something where, you know, you're looking, it's like crunching numbers and the price points, like, was there anything that jumped out of you and just has really been a breakthrough, uh, whether it was with marketing or a thought or an idea or getting a contact that knew someone, what was like a big moment for you along this, this path that is really sort of, uh, I don't know, skyrocket the trajectory or just like, really like, you're like, man, I'm sure it's hard, right? There are probably times you're like, for how's this ever going to get profitable? Yeah. How's this going to work? And maybe wanting to give up or like, I don't know if it's a good idea, but was there ever like a, a time period or, a, or an event that happened where you just kind of like, wow, this is really going to work or, you know, or a big athlete that like endorsed it or loves it. Like, give me some of those moments. Yeah, there were a couple, a couple really major ones. Um, the first was actually the first investor to back me was Champ Bailey, the Hall of Fame football player. Mm-hmm. And Champ got the socks through a friend and tried them on and just like, I got a call about a week later from that friend. He said, hey, Champ texted me. He said, he put on the socks and he didn't take them off for a week. Like you wore them every day, washed them every day. And just because the benefit was so meaningful to him, a guy who spent his whole career on his feet, he felt the difference in a really meaningful way. And that was an aha moment for sure, because it was somebody who I hadn't really, you know, I hadn't met him when I gave him the product. So I hadn't educated him on it. Someone just handed him a pair of socks and said, try these. And he had that reaction and kind of the same thing. Um, happens when we give it to a lot of physicians. We just gave it to uh, one of the leading experts in uh, kind of the foot and ankle space. He's he's a German guy, and we sent the socks over to him, and he put it on. Um, you know, we we didn't give him any context, so he he got our socks in a pile with you know probably like fifty other brands, and he went through, wore all the brands, tested it put it on and just goes, Oh my gosh, this is the best sock. He goes, I, I did not even realize socks could do this to, you know, to my body or feel this way. And he immediately started testing it, started gathering data and his passion for the product. I think, you know, to, to the point of, of your question, when you see somebody else as passionate as you are about what you're building, just because they used it without you selling them, without you being involved in the process, to me, that's such a meaningful thing to to feel. And, you know, it was it was those two. And there's there's plenty of other examples. One other that stands out to me is when we got him to Conor McGregor for the first time. And he he actually posted him on his Instagram. And it was it was nuts just to, like, look on my on my phone that day and see, you know, one of the, the most famous athletes alive recovering in the product. And so, you know, those kinds of moments it, are pretty incredible because it just shows validation that, hey, the, the thing that I thought was really going to make a difference is making a difference to people. For sure. No, it's, that's crazy. And, and, you know, give us like what when did it actually when was officially lasso the LLC or when did you incorporate it? When did the business officially start? And, you know, tell me a bit of uh, the, the give me some numbers, some some hype points about the, the ride and, and, and different whatever metrics you want to kind of share to put people in perspective on where it is. And I see just on the website, you know, I can see that it is, uh, you know, it's listed as number one ranked by men's health. There's some other you know, big names, big companies that kind of have really endorsed it or, or put it, you know, shown what it's like, but give me a little bit of that, the, the behind the scenes numbers and, and the, and the, the chart or growth of the company. For sure. Yeah. So um, we started right at the end of 2017, we launched the product like, November, December 2017, we started the actual Lasso uh, company in, in May of 2017. Um, so it took about six months to get the product to market from uh, where we started. That's that's short, by the way, for products, but it's short because we already had a lot of relationships in the space and, and garments are a lot easier than you know other products. So 
we started there. Um, the first the first year was you know pretty focused growth, and we were really just focused on understanding how to communicate what the product actually does. So really, year one and year two were kind of in that world. We met like right at the end of year two of the business, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, right around that point, after you came on board, and and a few of our other friends, guys like Phil, guys like um, you know Andrew Bogut, um, we started to really pick up. Um, quickly in the market, we saw all the pro athletes are where, like I mentioned, Team USA trained with it for uh, the 2021 Olympics, um, the Team USA uh, softball team, actually. And then we saw men's health last year rank as the number one sock. We saw greatest rank as the best overall running sock. All of these things happened totally organically. Just last week, um, one of our ambassadors, and this was totally organic. Uh, there's a, There's a guy named uh, Matthew, we, his, he goes by Femdog. I'm not sure how to say his last name, but um, Matthew, and we call him Femdog. He is walking across the country of Australia right now, literally just walking on foot. And um, he went on Good Morning America and uh, talked about his lasso socks last week and how they were one of his you know favorite products and helped him to do the walk. And so these kinds of moments of just very organic and just mind-blowing things that are happening as a result of somebody wearing the socks, um, has been, you know, really, really special. Uh, and, you know, even, even like the first three weeks after I launched the product, um, I got a text from, um, one of my friends. I'm not sure if, if you've run into a DJ ski in your, in your circles, you guys are probably in the he, same. He's place. actually supposed to come on the podcast next week. And just recently he was doing, he played at the big house in Ann Arbor and he's yeah, good he friends did, with my yeah. buddy, Jason Kuntz, who, and Josh Luber. We're both been on the podcast and I was asking, he said, yeah, he'd come on. So I, I, and we started talking on Instagram around that time. You're supposed to come play poker at my buddy's house. And then he had to, he had to get out of there. But um, yeah, anyway, yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I know of him and, and going to be on. So he's the best. He's the best. So he actually got our socks to one of the receivers on the Vikings. Cause he was spinning all their games at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that it was like th- literally three weeks after the product was, was live. Um, I look at, and see a picture from ski and it's, you know, it's uh, this receiver on the NFL field wearing the socks. And it was just a mind blowing experience. So, you know, from a pro pro athlete standpoint, there were those, there was Cam Newton. He, he posted a video that went very viral of him jumping into a pool wearing socks. And it was our socks wearing nothing but his swim trunks and socks after a workout. And Cam was somebody who I got introduced to in LA. And since then he's just been a super great supporter and, and, and a great, you know, a uh, passionate fan of the product as well. And so there's some big names, big names, in the NBA, I know have worn it or do wear it as well as also. So is that is how is that sort of like, where would you say out of the professional sports, what's the most common? I mean, basketball seems to make the most sense and relevant, but I guess you could argue for a lot of sports with recovery or whatever, but for sure. Basketball wise, there's a ton of players that wear it. Um, they, uh, you know, I think from like a, like daily wear and kind of pure, um, pass around the product. It, it's not really a sports specific thing. It's just more, um, you know, the guys that it really resonates with. But I mean, there have been guys like um, I know, you know, James Harden wore them and loved them. Um, there's been uh, I, I actually got a call from uh, Trey Young's agent one time, and they were like, "Yeah, oh, Trey, Trey trains in your socks." I was like, "Really? Like I didn't even know that." And usually, I'm aware if a sock's gotten shipped out. So, you know, there's been a lot of names kind of in that world that we know do use the product or have used the product. Um, 
in addition to those worlds, you also have exposure in like tennis and like pickleball, which has been a really interesting sport to watch. You've got soccer, you know, you've got MLS guys. We are now in, in Premier League, we have a few teams that have picked us up. And uh, I just got a call today saying at Southampton FC, about 60% of the players wear the socks while they play now. And so we're seeing like the top of the top athletes all around the world opting for the product purely because it helps them play better. Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it does seem to be growing fast. And I guess it's one of those kind of like these type of moments and, and it can really know you notice sort of a drive and stuff and in, in in, in pushing forward. What about like sponsorships with teams or uh, that type of thing? Is that or athletes? Are there because I know there have been some athletes that big names that wear it. Uh, it obviously, organic is even better or great that they like it and use it without being paid or being a part of the thing. But talk to me a little bit about that. What What, what is some of the marketing efforts and is there brand ambassadors and such or, or what what is the plans with that for sure yeah so there's some there's some brand ambassadors some athletes that wear it what we found is you know when we speak to our community it's less about what names were and i think you can you can probably relate to this in today's environment there's so much going on with influencers and athletes endorsing products it's easy to get lost in the noise when you take that route mm-hmm. um, so we as a brand have really opted to kind of focus on the everyday person in terms of our narrative and our storytelling. So it's about how just activity is so important for your mental health and your physical health. And I think during these times, it's, you know, everybody wants to be at home and be on the computer. And that's great. You know, it's great to participate in the metaverse. It's great to be on the cutting edge of NFTs. But if you're not taking care of your physical self every single day, then you're going to lose the ability to do do all of the things you want to do. And so that's really been a core part of our marketing strategy. And that's the focus for this year is, yes, we have the athletes that that wear the product um, and, and, you know, some post about it, some some we you know, we like to do some narrative storytelling around. But I would say from a brand standpoint, our key focus is about staying kind of in a different lane than everybody else. And so while everyone's looking to trend on Instagram because this you know famous person wore it, we're looking to trend for the opposite reason because we're saying, hey, like it's time to unplug. It's time to go outside. It's time to stay moving. It's time to really focus on what you need to do to take care of yourself and the rest will come. For sure. Do you see uh, NFTs, crypto, this and uh, metaverse world? I mean, now, you know, shoes and purses and all these different things. Is there a, a play for Lasso in, the, in, in, in this? Do you, do you see a, you know, get get a buy a pair of socks and get a, NFT have you even thought about this stuff or is this does this does this resonate with you? Yeah, no, I think it's awesome, right? I think all of that stuff is awesome, but I think as a brand it's all about going to your core why. And for us it's about getting people on their feet and active. And right now there's not a way that makes sense to us to be able to tie NFTs and crypto and the metaverse to that end action. Mm-hmm. And that'll change probably in the coming years as the ecosystem gets more developed and you know, there's more more brands doing things on there. I'm sure it'll stir up better ideas from from our team and, and internally as well. But um, we're we're one of those brands that we like to show up to the sporting events. We like to be there at the 5Ks. You know what I mean? We like to be at we just did a there's like a CrossFit gym battle. And we have a team in the next uh, next couple of months that is going to run from uh, Santa Monica all the way to Palm Springs. And it's like a 24 hour straight race with four four guys so it's like that's that's kind of what we're out here for or or to go on a hike or something like that because for us it's really about showing people the experiences that are around them in this world and and getting them off the screen a little bit you know for for the time being and you know that'll change as as maybe time progresses 
Absolutely. I know the the motto, you know, you like to say, keep moving. Believe that with Lasso as well. And you actually have a tattoo of that. What what was the urge to get a tattoo? Where do you have that available? Yeah. Where is it nearby? It's right here on my arm. So I've got the, uh, let's let's get the angle right for you. I've got the stay moving on my arm and, and the Lasso logo. Um, for me, you know, when we came up with the slogan, the whole idea was we wanted to find something that was applicable in all areas of life and resonated deeply, um, kind of from a human standpoint. And if you look at the core of what life is, life is movement, life is energy, and it's active at the atomic level, at the cellular level, and at the human level. And so we just wanted to remind people that whether it's, you know, staying moving in your work, staying moving in your day-to-day life, in your emotional progress, not staying stagnant and continuing to grow, we felt that the phrase really stood out because it's a way of life. It's something that you can embrace. And whenever you're going through a tough time, whenever things get get hard for you, you can just say, well, I'm going to stay moving. And it, it always gets better when you choose progress over stagnation. Very, very cool. And what, what made you actually get the tattoo, though? Just is that you really just felt, do you have other tattoos? Or are you just like, that's something too, you just felt so strongly about you wanted to kind of reminder and to really just embody it yeah definitely that i have a few others um but i mean what what i do you know i think i have five total what i do with my life is uh in terms of like putting it on my body is i only put something on my body that i feel will resonate for my entire life and so the focus there was i wanted something where i'm wearing a sweater right now but when i'm wearing a t-shirt i look down you know i'll be riding or i'll be typing and i look down when i'm just hanging out and I get that reminder, stay moving, you know, keep active. Like that to me is such a core part of what it means to be alive and be a human. I really think it's important to be reminded that of every single day. Right, I like it a lot. Um, in the logo and the name, where did this come from? Where did, what is lasso for socks? Like what is, uh, what is, give me the, the whole, the whole deal on the, sure. the, those, those two things. So lasso is like your your daily tool. That's what you use to be able to do what you need to do every single day. So like a cowboy is nothing without his lasso, right? That's how you do your job. Um, and the logo is actually, it's a few things. Um, it, part of it is that it's the uh, center court for a basketball court where I had my initial injury that kind of prompted a lot of my journey. The other side of it is uh, if you look at the side of a boat, you'll actually see that symbol. And that's called a load line. And that is essentially indicating the most weight a boat can take. So if you were to fill a boat with more and more weight, it sinks deeper and deeper. And when that symbol is at the water level, that's the maximum capacity of that boat. And as a company that's so much about movement, balance, coordination, we just felt that that was such an appropriate symbol to indicate that a product with that mark is a product that has been thought about from that lens of how does your body take weight carry it and how does it move and this is how we we can indicate that we've put that quality of thought into it that's that, there you go that's 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 beautiful that is a that, that's a seems like a very good answer a very reasonable thing and it looks cool and it, it, it all works so uh tell me about the tell me about the iterations like how many different versions you know you get a company you get a logo you get a name things change and you and you evolve how many actual like versions of the current stock sock that i just showed you know on the or up to like the ones that are new and update like is there has there been two or three or 20 like how how uh, and how often does that change yeah there's probably been about uh, i'd say 12 different versions um every two to three months you know something changes something gets better that's right. part of our philosophy i think that's the beauty of doing 
like garments as opposed to, you know, if we were selling phones, for example, we sell it, you're kind of stuck with that hardware until the next version comes out. But the beauty with something consumable like socks is that you're replenishing your collection, you know, every few months and making sure that your stocks, socks stay fresh. That's just how we buy clothing in general. And so we just saw an opportunity that each time we do it, we challenge ourselves. What can we change? What can we make better? And now adding in the sustainability element was a really meaningful change for us. Very cool. And where is the, give me like kind of the breakdown on headquarters and, and employees and with, with COVID, with being remote, you know, how has all this sort of uh, COVID impact happened? But, you know, give me a little bit of a, a people have an idea of where the company's based out of. I think Atlanta was the original or your, where your, you know, the headquarters, if I'm not mistaken, but give me, give me a little snapshot on that and how COVID also has impacted the business. In, yeah, in, for sure. In- so it was originally in Atlanta and I actually moved from Atlanta to um, LA over the last couple of years. Um, during that time, most of our new hires actually ended up being in Southern California. Since then, it's been interesting, but our whole team has like slowly moved closer. So the majority of the team is in uh, Orange County or uh, Northern San Diego. And so all within kind of an hour of each other, we meet up at, at uh, each other's houses. We haven't chosen to get an office yet. Um, and we do a lot of retreats and trips and things like that as a group. We have um, one employee in Atlanta who was one of the original employees, um, but hopefully we'll get him out to, out to California soon. And part of the reason for being in SoCal there's just a tremendous brand ecosystem. And because of the weather, you can do photo shoots and create content nearly every single day. Um, so it's really, really advantageous from that perspective. And because you have so much variety of terrain, you can be on a mountain, you can be in a valley, you can be in the ocean, in the water, in snow, you can be in all of that within a couple hours in the desert. And so you have the ability to stage and, and create so many different ecosystems and environments that it makes it really advantageous to, to base your brand there. And, and what has been the biggest challenge thus far to, to get the business to where it is today? Where, where have you had the most sort of uh, roadblocks, struggle, or just, you know, in general, what would you say has been the hardest thing about creating this business? Yeah, the biggest challenge for us has always been on the operations side. So we've, we've always had issues trying to make sure we had enough inventory for various reasons. But especially in the last year, it was worsened. We've been manufacturing in the States, so made in USA. Um, but during this last year, we've encountered a lot of issues due to the labor shortages that are being experienced in manufacturing across the country. And so as a result, our capacity to manufacture has dropped. So really being able to solve that, we're now... Um, scaled up to a much larger partner, uh, which helps us in terms of being able to have another factory that can contribute volume in in a meaningful way to our production. Um, But really, like when you're making something, there's two things that's hard about making it bigger. One is finding somebody who is a bigger factory that's willing to take a bet on a smaller fish, right? And anytime you're at the biggest scale for one size of factory, you're the smallest customer for the next size up. And so you really have to get the owners to buy in. You really have to get them to understand the purpose of the business. And that part is very, very lengthy and difficult because there's not that many factories out there at different levels of scale. So you have maybe five different options or 10 different options worldwide, especially in socks, to create large volume of socks. And so there's kind of that element to it. The other side is that you need to maintain quality. So when you're ma- when you go from making you know a thousand socks a month to ten thousand socks a month to a hundred thousand socks a month, the issues are so different, and you have to really think through 
how do we make sure every single pair is delivered perfectly to the end customer? And inevitably, you're going to mess some up. So how do you make sure people are being taken care of? How do you make sure that each time you make a mistake, you're able to learn from it and change how your process works? And that's something that um, it just takes an incredible amount of time, focus and effort. And it's not something that, you know, you can really shortcut. And in a world of, you know, immediate kind of gratification, that can be a little frustrating at times. For sure. And do you... So I, I was thinking, I, I want to understand like the, the pressures of, of a, being a CEO, also raising money, having friends, family, others put in money. And now it becomes like, okay, this is great. People believe in me. They trust in me, but I want, you know, you want to deliver and there's only so many chances you get. Of course, people fail, things happen. There's uh, unforeseen situations, but tell me a little bit about the pressure um, and do you feel less now that the company's sort of moving the right way and it's obviously a proven, stable, solid company? Do you feel less pressure than you did or even more now because it's like, all right, well, now it's like you got to potentially exit or get acquired or, you know, deliver. Tell me about that component of it, the pressure and, and also, I guess, you know, what it means to be the CEO and founder. For sure. Um, I think that in the early stages, it's, it, yeah, to your point, a lot less pressure because it's only you, right? So there's not that many people to disappoint with each investor that comes on, with each person that you know becomes a believer of the brand or wants to support you, that just increases the expectation that society has for you. And I think one of the challenges is that being a CEO, you know, much like your role in society, Jeff, we're we're guys who have to really think about how we say things, how we interact with others, because we represent something that's greater than just being an individual. And, you know, being the CEO of a, of a brand or being a professional poker player who's so well admired, I'm sure you feel this on a day to day basis, is that when somebody interacts with you, you're not only Jeff Gross, you know, the human, but you're Jeff Gross, the idea that's in their mind. And you might be super inspiring to somebody. Your, the, your narrative might be super empowering to somebody. They might have learned you know, their, their life might have been changed because they consumed your content. And so living up to that expectation on a daily basis requires a ton of discipline and a ton of maintenance in terms of making sure you're in a really good place every day. And I think that's that's probably the biggest challenge is that the margin for error goes down on who you can be as an individual. And you really have to step up your game every day to be able to be what you need to be for society's sake. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of maybe it's weight it doesn't necessarily feel like weight because i'm really grateful to be able to have this position and, and be able to be you know in this role and lead this company but i think that it's a real blessing to be in a situation where you get to contribute to society in a meaningful way and advance the way we think about something and the expectations others have of you as a result of you being in that role are just part of the job, but it's a very pleasant part of the job when you look at all of the other amazing opportunities you have to really be able to have a say in what daily life looks and feels like for a human in 2022. For sure. And I do, I see some notes here and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, some, uh, being, you know, being a founder, there was some depression stuff or you've dealt with some of that stuff. Is that, is that true? I have, my dad made some notes and, and I'm not sure where he got that from exactly. But yeah, hundred you know, percent. Your dad dialed, knows so much about me now, Jeff. He's dialed in. He's got, yeah. he's got some stuff here. 
Yeah, it's uh, no, it's 100 percent true. I struggled a lot in the earlier in the earlier phases of it just because of that same pressure and expectation and honestly making it more about myself than it needed to be. Right. And I think you learn as you go down the journey that it's not about you at all. It's about what you can do for the world or what you can do for others. And so adopting more of a service mentality to the world and going into work every day. I had a friend who's who's a, a CEO of a, a health and wellness company as well. Um, say this to me. He's like, I was like, do you feel a lot of pressure? He has like 200 employees now. I was like, do you feel a lot of pressure doing that same question you asked? He's like, no, dude. He's like, I'm one person out of 200 now. I I have to contribute 0.5% of the overall thing. And so that's way less than I had to contribute when it was three people, when I had to contribute 33% of the whole thing. And it's just understanding that you're one person and you can do what one person can do. And if you're smart about knowing your limits, then it allows you to ask for help when you need it. And when when most of us get underwater, it's because we're trying to do too much. We're trying to be more than you know one person can be or needs to be. And you know, I say that to a lot of young entrepreneurs that reach out to me as well. It's like don't don't try to be you know like don't try to compete in terms of workload or try to be the greatest. Like just be you and do what you can do on a daily basis while maintaining happiness and balance. And find help for the things you can't do, as opposed to trying to do more than you should. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely definitely well said, and I'm sure it's it's uh, sometimes hard to say no or just like there's always something you can do with this size of a company and a scale. There's always a Slack or a meeting or an email or someone that you're constantly. You know, there's just a lot. How how do you find to say no, and more importantly, how do you find time to just kind of turn off do you do you have rules where like this time of day your phone's off or at a certain amount of a certain time of night it goes off or are you kind of always on how do you unwind yeah so once i once i turn my phone off uh from work around you know i'd say seven i'm i'm kind of done for the night if you reach out to me i i don't have any notifications on my phone to begin with so if you message me or text me i won't know about it till i open the app and that's designed because I want all of all of my notification centers to operate like my email where I'll check it when it's time for me to check it. And I make time every day to check each of these things a couple, you know, several times a day. But I'm not trying to let those things dictate to me when it's time to use them. Right. I don't want my phone to ding and immediately change my attention from what I'm doing. And so getting that kind of like almost like uh, cleanliness around my social like phone habits and digital habits. Um, that's been big. Um, I've gotten off of social media recently, and that was due to just feeling a lot of noise personally um, in my head as a result of all of the messages, all of the things that were happening around me. And stepping away from it was really, really powerful because it gave me a tremendous amount of peace of mind. And so um, just being able to sit at home and a lot of the times, you know, if I have time by myself, I'll just sit in silence. Or even when I drive now, I've noticed myself not playing music as much, but just driving in silence, just listening to the wind or listening to nature and experiencing that. And I think it's in those moments where we can just allow things to release and allow our bodies to reconnect with, you know, kind of the overall energy of the space and place that we live in and, and the air that we breathe. It's a very, very powerful way to reset every single day. So I make time for that every day in the morning and in the evening. And that's what helps me to balance things. And then during the day, uh, the biggest thing that I've had to do to keep myself sane is uh, this philosophy of just going slow 
And so I try really hard not to rush through my work. There's always temptation if your to-do list is 100 things to try and run through that to-do list because you just want it to be done so bad. And I've just embraced that it, nothing will ever be done. And so every day, it's not about running through as many tasks as possible. It's about doing the right tasks each day with the amount of energy I have to contribute. And so be it if I'm going to miss out on some stuff. And so be it if I'm going to get some stuff wrong. We all make mistakes in life. And I'm okay with making those mistakes. Do you, in terms of social media, not having an account or posting or being visible at that, do you still like look at Twitter, Instagram? Do you have something that you keep up with stuff? Or are you literally like, you're just off, like you, you are off of social media? Like all not, nothing. I don't have any access to that. And I don't read the news anymore. And these were two decisions that really helped me from a mental standpoint to reduce the noise in my mind. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know many people that have actually done it, but I do. The people I do know, they sort of separate themselves. They do find, um, I think that that what you're saying, that it's sort of clarity and peace and it's sort of realizing that we are becoming like cyborgs with our phones and you know, any way you can sort of find ways to make significant changes, it can be good. Now, obviously, some people, it's their, their business or their way of life and whatever, but, you know, it is... There are ways. It's an interesting compromise. I think it's like one of those things. You either kind of got to be in or out. And if you're if you're in it, and you're doing it. Also, set some rules and limits because it is like it's it's. There's so many things. Discord, you know, Telegram, MyGram, YourGram, Instagram, all these things, right? It's like you come through and you can wake up and it'll be half the day's gone and you're on your email, you're on you know this Slack, Asana, Trello, and it's like and then if you're on all of those, there's just you're just on it. So it's like, now there's a message from this guy back and forth. So you're kind of just checking all of them all the time. So, you know, you got to uh, set some rules, some limits and, and do your best. And it sounds like that's a, an effective uh, style that, that you're, you're liking. When did you start that? The social media? I started uh, sometime in December, kind of early to mid December. Um, so it's been, yeah, a little over a month now. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. You say, you say it pretty well. I mean, there's so many different sources and I think, you know, it's not like I'm, totally in the dark here right like i have a team i have somebody who runs lasso social media who tells me what's going on i have you know people who tell me the things i need to hear but i think like in today's day and age what was troubling me about having direct access to it is that everything is designed to give you such a strong emotional reaction that it's almost like it feels like drugs almost right it feels like just so much just stimuli coming your way whether it's news, whether it's other people posting, you know, trying to look cool, whether it's the comments, whatever it might be, it's very overwhelming for me. And it's just not something I, I had to make the decision. I was like, can I balance this in a healthy way? And the answer was no, like, I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not doing this, you know, in a super healthy way. So it was just, let me try not doing it. And I, I just didn't feel like I wanted it again once I let it go. Very cool. Um, some questions here. We're gonna we're gonna definitely take some from Twitter. I saw a lot. Actually, that does working now again, so that's nice. But my my dad's got a few. He's written down uh, asking. First off, where does your company advertise? He says he doesn't recall seeing products at Costco or other outlets. Who are the primary customers of your products? Athletes, older adults, people in rehab for injuries. So he's he's got a lot. My dad's firing. So let's start with that. Where does where does Lasso advertise primarily? And I love your dad. He's great. Um, we're mostly on social right now with our advertising. We do some in-person stuff at different events. Um, our focuses this year are pretty narrow. We're focused on specialty running. We're focused on kind of the outdoors hiking market. Uh, and we're focused on 
um, kind of like sports, uh, sports trading and fitness. So that would be like uh, we have a partnership with Climber, the, the new Versa Climber um, company. We have, uh, you know, different a partnership with Bone Collector for basketball. Um, so we do different things that kind of help help tell the narrative in a meaningful way about what we're about. Um, we haven't actually done any sort of physical distribution in the U.S., so we're not found in any retail yet. Um, but we are starting that process now. So we're digitally carried by Equinox. We're digitally carried by GovX, you know, and a few others. And we are starting the process of getting ourselves in store um, for the first time domestically this year, which is an exciting one. Very, very, very cool. So would you say, though, the, the actual primary customers, like where do you break the demographic down? How, how does it work? Is it is it uh, mostly athletes, older adults, people in rehab? Do you have any kind of sort of genre or generalizations on who's getting this suck? Yeah. So we I mean, we like to say everybody's our customer, anyone with feet. Right. But um, ultimately, mm -hmm. the the folks that end up becoming the most passionate advocates typically played a sport or had a high level of intense activity at some point in their lives, whether it was, you know, athletics, whether it was military, whatever it might be. And they're at the age, so usually above 30, where they feel it in their bodies. And at that point, people who, you know, see our ads actually see the value in the product and buy it. And kind of in the younger demographics, those markets we kind of reach through more cultural means. So when you see the collaboration with like a bone collector, for example, that's a street ball influencer collaboration with, you know, kind of a capsule collection with it designed to speak to kind of the youth basketball player. He does a lot of content in that space. And so we approach and educate that audience more through a cultural manner. Um, but for folks who actually feel pain on their bodies and aren't invincible and young, um, the, the value proposition is uh, pretty clear, pretty quick. Very, very cool. And um competitors i want to talk about competitors so you know nike under armor adidas are they competitors or do they are their socks just so different they don't have this specific type of of sock who who actually competes with with lasso because it's so kind of unique from what it from what i understand yeah we don't have any direct competitors yet we're a very unique play just because of the uniqueness of the technology that we have and we have pretty strong patents that cover it um, so when you think about our ecosystem, you've got your, you know, your Nike, your Adidas, your Under Armour, that would be maybe your performance sock category. You have your compression sock category, which would be like a CEP um, or, you know, your kind of generic copper compression brands. And then um, finally, you would have kind of your taping, your K-tape, your KT-tape, your rock tape, kind of those competitors as well. Even though it's not a sock, it still solves the same need. Um, our product is all three of those things in one and as a result when we speak even when we speak to buyers um, whether it's retail or whether it's kind of in that in um, speaking directly to trainers or any sort of consumer um, there isn't anything that does what their product does although these brands are the same ecosystem but what i'll also add is the lasso sock is a medical device it's a class one medical device and as a result uh, even when you know we're looking at different partnerships or deals we fall in a totally different category, even from a legal standpoint, when we're talking about partnerships, than a Nike or an Adidas or an Under Armour. So 
we kind of sit in this interesting place between the medical world and the sports performance world where on the surface level, we look and feel like a sports performance brand. We're very aspirational. We're inspirational. We're motivational. But the science behind our products is real and it's grounded and it's fact-based and data-based. So you have the best of both worlds coming together. Very, very, very cool. Yeah, it's, it's nice when, you know, those big powerhouses too, it's like they're not really... They haven't been focused and you kind of get a, a start in, a, in sort of in your own world in that sense. Um, you mentioned the importance of values and the work you do and how to underlies your business. How do your values make a difference for employees who work at Lasso? The biggest thing is that our employees live the lifestyle of the brand. So our retreats are full of hikes and they're full of activity, but we have fun. We party. We have a good time. You know, we hang out. We're very, very active and very energetic about it. Um, we tell people right off the bat when they join, you're not just getting a job, you're getting a lifestyle. We have right now what's running is a two mile per day challenge. Everyone's walking two miles every day. And that sounds like a pretty easy thing, but really like life is that easy. It's about just doing something that's beneficial to you every day. It doesn't have to be a crazy workout. And you would be shocked to see the transformations in personality in mental attitude, in level of stress amongst all of the people that work for us from when they came on board to who they are now. And ultimately, what we try to do at Lasso, it's, it's two things. One, it's with the business. It's to create something that's net positive for everybody involved. So we feel every single player involved in the business should have a positive outcome, including all customers, all external stakeholders. But also within the company, we want every single employee to live a life with no ceiling. So we work hard to make sure that their growth as individuals is completely controlled by themselves and there's no ceilings on their true potential within the business. And that culture, uh, it aligns really, really deeply with our philosophies around movement and health. Uh, we don't feel that, you know, even with aging, we don't feel that the body needs to slow down or weaken. We feel that it can actually strengthen over time. Your body can become better over the course of your life. It just takes to the time that you could put in to build an understanding with your body and your mind um, to really connect everything. Very nice. Before we, we head over here, I will take the questions from from Twitter. And what we're going to try to take a lot of them. I've asked some of these and uh, there's some great ones there. So we appreciate everyone engaging on the, the post. Uh, what is the current status, like the company from where it started, like the valuation, the first round investing to the latest? And what are what are sort of like what is, you know, give me, give me a, a ceiling. Where do you think the company could go? Like, are you looking to get acquired? Is it, is it, uh, you know, do you want to be involved? Even if it did give me a little bit of look at like financials and, and what the sort of forecast is on that. For sure. For sure. So I don't want to go too deep into um, revenue numbers, but what I can say is that, you know, we're valued, um, we're valued um, quite nicely relative to our revenue due to our intellectual property um, from the standpoint of, where we can go um this brand has the potential to easily be a billion dollar brand um if not you know a multi like 10 to 10 to 50 billion dollar brand as is just on just on socks and, and the other kind of core apparel we'll be launching um, the idea behind that is in the u.s 50 percent of adults have musculoskeletal conditions each year and in the u.s this is a trillion dollar market and we are the only company making elegant and well-designed solutions that people actually want to use to address and prevent 
these musculoskeletal conditions over the long term. And so that problem, it's one that is not currently like a trending topic, but it is starting to become one. And over the next coming years, you'll see with how much we've all stayed at our computers over the last couple of years and how much time we spend on our phones and devices, musculoskeletal health will likely be one of the biggest problems our society faces. And it's one that we just don't even realize is coming because it's going to sneak up on all of us from years of, of really bad habits, essentially across society. Um, at that point, that's when, you know, our, our kind of valuation will get the, the same kind of tech treatment where it runs up really, really quickly. But until that point, it's about establishing ourselves as really great at what we do, building great distribution channels and scaling up the business so it can handle the inevitable demand that's coming as a result of the lifestyles we live today. Absolutely. Well, that's uh, yeah, it seems like it's on a great, great, great trajectory and, you know, happy to be a part of it and involved. And I know a um, lot, lot going on. There's a lot of things that can be done, a lot of great relationships and, and spots. I think it's just kind of one of those things where yeah, people get their first pair, they check it out or a friend has it and then they you know, kind of the, the, the product does its the selling itself. So it's definitely, you know, it's been cool to watch it when I first got introduced. I believe it was Dan Coleman and Ari. And yep. then I brought Helmuth uh, introduced and like everyone just kind of like excited and, and likes it. And at first when you hear it, it's like, oh, it socks. You think, oh, whatever, you know, it socks. But now, you know, you realize it's a it's an important feature, right? It's important and it, it's nice and it's good to have a great pair. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy and, and I, I'm very bullish on the, the 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 journey. So it's been cool. Um, and I'm glad we've gotten to meet and know each other. And thank you for coming on. And let's uh, let's take some questions. You good with that? Yeah, absolutely, man. And I just want to say it's been a blast, you know, building with you as well, just to learn more about your world, learn more about how you operate as an individual. It's, you know, having guys like you, having guys like Phil around, I learned so much from you guys. And I think that's the other part about, you know, you asked the question about how to, how to manage, you know, being a young CEO. It's, you find other people that are doing it well and you learn from them. You, you, you take the tricks out of their bag, right? And, you know, one thing I respect about you a lot Jeff is the relationship that you maintain with your family and the priority that you put there. It's what keeps you balanced and keeps you sane and happy. And, you know, I, I learn a lot from that. Cheers. Well, yeah, back at you. We're, we're, we're in a good spot. It's fun. And, you know, obviously it's great to the investments are, they're hard. I like to believe all mine will work out. I got a lot of seeds and you never know, right? It, it, you just don't know what's going to work and not. You just got to bet on what you believe in and, and things you like and use. And, and then from there, what happens happens. So yep. um, let, let's let's uh, let's dive in. We'll do some rapid fire. We'll try to get to as many of these as we can. I can read some of these. I don't know if you can make it out on here, but I'll, I'll, you can see those. Yep, I can. All right. So we'll start off right off the top from Al Poppy asking favorite way to invest in 2022. What what does that mean for you? Investment That's a good one. Um, the, I think the markets are super high, so I'm holding right now. Um, I've gotten into a couple brand plays over the last year or so, but this year I'm, I'm waiting. I think there's, there's a recession coming. Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. Stuff's high. No doubt. I'm, I'm with you. It's already, there's been some pullbacks. So I mean, we're in agreement on that. How do you manage stress? We talked about this a little bit, but is there anything you do in particular to, particularly when you're stressed or stuff like feels overwhelming, do you have a go-to? Yeah. I'm, I meditate or I unplug for a while and just spend some time to myself. And, you know, one of the things I heard uh, that's really powerful is this concept E plus R equals O event plus reaction equals outcome. 
So we don't control the event, but we control 100% of the reaction. So therefore, we control the entire outcome for every event that comes across our path in our lives. And that was very empowering to me to realize that if I control the way that my mind reacts, my outcomes will be very great. I like that. Uh, Marco is asking, Ghost of Van, please ask part that he has considered the psychological traits that help and hurt people who are trying to start a new venture. That's a good one. Yes, I have. Uh, insecurity is the biggest thing that I see people struggle with. If you're insecure, it manifests in so many ugly ways. It pushes people away so quickly. And so doing the work to, to figure out how to love yourself and take care of yourself is so critical because people want to work with fun and happy and positive people. They don't want to work with downers. They don't want to work with egotistical people. Very cool. Um, how to know what is a good startup idea? I mean, there's so many ideas, you know, I, I myself come up with things like, oh, this would be great. Or I read this could be improved. But, you know, then you have all these things that are sort of going on in life uh, or, or obstacles. And they say graveyards, the, the place with the greatest ideas. How do you know it's a good startup idea? Uh, if how, people will pay for it, that's the simple answer. If someone's going to pay you to do it, then it's a good idea. For sure. How? Tell me how important is luck in business in your mind? This is from Arcus Dios. I think luck luck happens to um, to people a lot when they're doing things for the right reason. And so you notice that people who get lucky are usually just, they were persistent before they were lucky. They were just working, working, working until that moment came. And there's that, you've, we've probably all seen that meme like a cartoon of the guy digging for gold and he turns around right before he hits the gold and the other guy is still digging he's way past it right and it's like you never know where how close you are to the moment that's going to completely change things and the only way to keep going is by doing something you actually love to do every day and if it's filling you up to do the work then you don't really care you know when things are going to blow up or not blow up you know eventually that they will and but that's really based more on the market and circumstances out of your control all you can do is provide the service and society will tell you when it's valuable yeah I, for sure i believe with that like and also luck is when preparation meets opportunity it's just like yeah you know you gotta do this stuff and you just don't know when it's gonna be your time you're always on the interview these type of things you know you just want to do your best do your best and you know good things are gonna most likely happen but um yeah, I think that that's well said by you. Uh, to start a startup, what do I need to do in the first place? Capital or knowledge? What if I have knowledge and I don't have the capital? What what to do? This is from uh, show who actually won the last giveaway. So good luck to you again. Nice. But, yeah. Nice. Um, I think that it's capital follows uh, knowledge and progress. So it's more about starting to move in the direction you want to move. Uh, in society, we as, as people follow leaders and capital follows leaders as well. So to really raise money from investors, you have to demonstrate that you're the leader in a particular subject or category and just start doing the work and, you know, the, the results financially, whatever they do follow you. You just have to keep going. For sure. And this is sort of on, on purpose, on topic and similar to what was just asked, but what do people have in common successful startups in your opinion? I think they're direct and honest communicators. I think that's the core trait that helps businesses be great. What is your opinion on NFT world? Is it sustainable here to stay? Just a fad from Craig Leonard. I think it's a great way to value an asset that wasn't able to be valued in such a tradable way uh, in the past. I think that the current prices of certain assets may not be in line with reality, but 
Uh, I think that's what happens whenever you have a new technology is you have this little, you have a boom and then you, everyone starts to calibrate and figure out what are these things really worth. But I don't think the NFT market is nearly mature enough um, to really, really be utilized to its full potential, which, you know, to me is the valuing of many of these, you know, kind of ethereal parts of our life and society. For sure. Sports. Do you play any sports? I play every sport. I love sports. And you, okay, a lot of questions. There's a multiple sports questions. So there we go. We're getting that covered. Goals in 2022. Do you have any personal or business wise that you just like kind of, you know, do you do that? Do you do goal setting? Do you do it by the yeah. new year? Uh, what are your, what are your 2022, if any? I did set one. Um, and it's, it's so simple. Um, I feel in the past, much of the time in my personal growth and progress, I've wanted somebody else to take that journey with me. And my goal this year was not to wait for anybody to grow, just to move at my own pace and accept what comes with that. I like that. Uh, well, startups, how many startups have you had? I, we know there's two for sure. Two. That's it. And when that, the first brand, what did, did you do anything with that? Did anything come of that? No, essentially I wound it down. I brought the investors onto the journey with Lasso because they had backed me from day one. And I felt like I, it felt like a seamless transition for me to go from the crutches of this, even though it doesn't seem that way. Mm -hmm. uh, are you in favor of the health pass? Well, what is the health pass? Got me. I, I this is maybe <laughs> we edit this out. I hope that's not like a big major thing because I am not familiar. I, I know there's a lot going on on like different, you know, masks and this and that. So I'm not sure. We'll just we'll skip it and we'll we'll, we'll claim uh, plead the fifth on that. I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure. But that is who's your favorite poker player? Oh man, it's either Jeff Gross or Phil Hellmuth. It's good choices. We'll leave it there. I'll, I can I can deal with the 50-50. Um, we got more goals here asking, which which do you like the most? Sports has been, everyone wants to know. Do you have one favorite? So to play, I think I have the most fun playing um, basketball, ultimate Frisbee. And uh, I really, really enjoy playing um, like any sort of football. But to watch, uh, I would say, hmm. Probably basketball is the most interesting to watch. And then football, when it's competitive, like right now. What, what are your thoughts on the Kyrie Irving, that whole situation? It seems it's kind of wild, that whole thing. that you know, Because yeah. he's a mainstream player. There's probably some other players, some other stuff going on. But what are your stance on, like, uh, were you shocked when you saw that? Or were you kind of like, oh, good for him. You know, he's standing what he believes in. Not not shocked at all. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's it's, you know, I don't think anybody should be forced to make a decision that's health related that they're not comfortable with personally right and if he's willing to pay the consequence of that action which he was um then there's nothing wrong with that he's he's doing that and I, I understand though as a fan that that can be frustrating and especially with his fellow players and the opportunity the nets have this year obviously that's not what everybody hoped for but i think that's part of it when you're playing with Kyrie irving is he's he's an independent thinker he kind of moves his to the beat of his own drum he's very unique guy and so you know that's kind of uh that's kind of what you get in that situation i mean i i can't blame somebody for being themselves right for sure all right well i have loaded up the the, the people that have entered into the giveaway so we'll, we'll have that ready to go we'll let you do that at the end we'll take a few more uh again very very good questions so far on the the, the podcast and some of them i'm skipping through because we've either we've, we've answered or, or gotten to uh, we'll take a few more. A lot of a lot of interesting same.
questions people want to know about sports, about the brand, how you came up. We've covered that. Um, okay, yeah. Asking now is like this question about the uh, your main inspiration in the business world and when and why you decided to become an entrepreneur. So anyone that like you look up to in business in particular? Yeah, I think um, too, it's probably Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. And those are probably, you know, pretty commonly picked answers for that type of question. But I think both of them have done an incredible thing, which is take something that technology wise was really difficult for the regular person to understand and make the user experience so elegant that everybody wanted it and uses it. I think Steve Jobs did that with technology by creating a beautiful experience with phones and the Apple entire kind of uh, product ecosystem. And on the flip side, Elon did that with Tesla. Tesla, I drive one not because it's electric, you know, but because of the interior and because of how it works and how it drives and the autopilot and all of these features that he created, which really the auto industry should have been innovating anyway. But it, both of these individuals show that they understand that people care a lot more about the experience you create for them. And then if you can also tie something that's good for the world into that experience, now you've created a net positive on all fronts. And Elon does that with electric energy. For sure. Um, how much do you, capital do you need to make a startup successful, asks Genocide. It totally depends on on the category, the approach, and what you define success as. And you know, I think a lot of people think about success as being a huge market cap company, but there's a lot of a lot of companies out there that you wouldn't even know about that just print money and you know you, they they don't have the huge market cap, right? So the way that the way that success is defined in today's society is maybe maybe a little not correlated with what actually makes money. For sure. And we got Rodrigo Louise asking, do you know the poker world? Have you any interest in playing it someday? Um, I know it to an extent. I mean, obviously through you guys. Um, the only way I would possibly even be able to play poker is if you guys would take me under your wing. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, let's listen. Once that lasso exits and we all, you know, in, the, in a, the five, a couple of years, five years, and then you're ready to dive in, we'll, we'll happily uh, we'll, we'll do all that. You know, who knows where five years where poker will be or what's going on. And it's, it's everything's changing so fast. Um, give me a day at work. We got L our Carol 93 asking, how's a day at work? So we'll give me a typical day for you. Sure. So um, I'll do morning routine as well. Typically, I wake up around 7, 730, meditate. I do some sort of yoga or some sort of workout. Um, I journal as well in the mornings, usually first things so or like before those two things. And then um, I have usually about an hour to an hour and a half before my first meeting. During that time, I answer all the emails that are in my inbox. And then usually I accomplish my most important task for the day. Um, I usually have like a to do list and I pick what I think is most important. Sometimes two or three tasks get done. Then I'm on calls usually from about 10, 30, 10 or 11 all the way until about three or four. Um, and then from about four until five thirty, depending on energy levels, if I've done a good job maintaining, then I'm able to have some more focused work to wrap up the day. But usually at that point, I only have about an hour left in me. Um, if not, I'll take a little break. I'll go outside, take a walk, come back to it around seven and then finish up between seven and eight. So that's kind of it. Pretty chill. Very nice. And when you first saw the COVID sort of happening for real, like, you know, March, this is what, 2020 and yeah. things are going on and it's impacted different industries in different ways. You know, you, you hear about it, you kind of realize it's a real thing. And then fast forward, April, May, June, your lockdown, shutdowns, California in particular, pretty, pretty intense and more, you know, it seems more, more, um, 
well, it's just, I mean, I live in Miami primarily, so it's a completely different experience, yeah. but you know, what was your, your sort of reaction and, and more so as a business, what did you think? You're like, wow. Like, like maybe is that one of those, like at first you're like, wow, this is terrible. Or it, maybe it is right. Cause also it's just a terrible thing and, and how it's sort of happened, but in terms of manufacturing and, and from that aspect, but then also like maybe thinking maybe people won't be so active, but did it maybe turn out that they were more active because now they want to go outside more or, you know, need this, like, give me sort of that, what did COVID sort of initially did you think? And now looking at where it's gone, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we were we were crushing in youth sports leading up to that. So it was a pretty big hit on our business. We had to kind of transition the brand to be more fitness oriented, at home fitness oriented uh, to be able to relate to what people were going through on a day to day basis without sports teams or, you know, high school sports or any of that. Um, that part was challenging for sure. Uh, from kind of an internal standpoint, um, we we all went remote pretty quick. We were all kind of already semi remote anyway, so it wasn't wasn't that challenging to be able to make that switch. Um, but uh, you know, once uh, once some time had elapsed, we were able to kind of adjust a little bit about our business. And I think overall, our whole business grew in a meaningful way from a structure and kind of like um, like uh, effort standpoint in our strategies. Um, across the board just because we had to adapt to such a crazy circumstance. So uh, everything we were doing just got a lot wiser, a lot faster across the board. Very, very cool. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, it's perspective. It's so many times when these type of things happen where it's something that seems so, so crazy or bad or whatever, right. In life and the examples happen. It's not about what happens, how you react to what happens that you can sort of, you know, what, what seems to be in the moment, may not actually be as bad or could even turn into to positives personally or business-wise uh, when, when stuff happens. Of course, COVID very, you know, a lot of people, it's tricky, right? Because it's like you realize a lot of people are struggling or a lot of people deal with, we all have had, probably no people have had it, have some hard times or even worse, but it's, um, you know, I think that's, that's important to be, keep things in perspective and realize there's things you can't control. And then you have to go from there and do your best and, and, and sort of figure out problem solve to, uh, to move forward. Well, listen, this has been a treat. I'm really happy that we got to finally do this and we are going to get a hundred dollars, a giveaway in a promo from prize picks, which is pretty cool. I do daily fantasy, uh, where you can, I don't know if you have you ever seen prize picks, by the way, I don't know. Yeah, if you've absolutely. Seen you know, um, uh, Adam's one of my homies. Okay. I actually did not know that, but I knew, I, I thought there was some connection there yeah. at some point. I didn't know, uh, maybe even with Phil too. Cause like, Phil yeah, he was the one who, who connected those dots originally actually, but Ad, Adam's an amazing guy. Prize picks is a great company. Great team. I'm a big fan as well. Yeah. I, I love it. I, it's fun for me. I love to kind of do the daily fantasy. I don't have a ton of time, so it's kind of fun to quickly like, you know, look at a game or make it fun for an over under or cross sports, golf, basketball, you know, whatever, right. You just feel like you maybe have some info that you feel some type of way about a certain player. And you're like, Oh, you look at it. Oh, this is, this seems not reasonable or, you know, and just kind of quick, easy, fun, fast, all different price points. But anyway, they are going to be giving away a hundred dollars in promo. So pretty cool. You get a hundred dollars. You can wager on there. And I will, uh, on your, on your, your call, I will go ahead and roll that. That is for this. Let me find it. I can't find it. There's lasso. There's this. There's again, this is going to go up on YouTube and all the different podcast outlets. And then I do have it loaded up, teed up for you. Tell me when we're going to choose a winner. All right, let's do it. Boom. There we go. Choose a winner. I am sure. Let's run it. This screens for bots. This You can set the winners. And look at this. Ask the question. Finalized. We, we, 
we got it. This guy, just just let's take a look. Who is it? We got it right here. He's got the the HUD. He's rocked in, locked in, meditating. Oh, yeah. And he's he's, just, he's on the vibe right now. He just he just just absolutely smoked a hundred dollar win. Hasn't won before. That's uh, his first time. Uh, that is big time. There's a hundred dollars. I'm gonna message him, PM him, and I'm gonna thank you for that. And if you again, anyone, I guess I would say not where to follow you because you have disconnected from social media successfully. So where where should people keep up best with Lasso? Where's yeah, the best place to it's, take it? Uh, at Lasso Gear on Instagram and Twitter, and then www.lassogear.com. We also have a bunch of new media we're putting up. Uh, you'll see it on our Instagram. You'll see it on our YouTube channel. We're doing some great storytelling this year. We did an amazing piece with Jeff as well called On the Felt. Um, definitely worth checking out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's it. You know, we're, we're out here. We're selling socks. We're trying to help people live a more active life and feel better every day, one sock at a time. Amazing. All right, man. Well, listen, that was Partha. I'm going to always, the not, last name Lunava, if I'm saying it right, it's close. And uh, we uh, we are going to just keep keep rolling. We're going to keep moving. As you like to say, stay moving and appreciate the time. We'll be connecting again soon. It's great to see you in Vegas over the World Series and hopefully link up very soon. Thank you to Prize Picks for that $100 uh, giveaway and much more to come, much more podcasts to come. we got some big, big music podcasts next week, including the DJ Ski. Got to get the exact time scheduled and a few other surprises. So uh, stay tuned. Hope you guys are enjoying. Please leave your comments below and uh, we'll see you very soon. Thanks again, Partha. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.